When we think of the best runners in the world, we often have the image that they train as hard as they race. They log hundreds of miles a week and execute grueling speed sessions that we mere mortals can only dream about. Yet one of the most remarkable runners in the world thinks that model is wrong. Jakob Ingebretsen from Norway is an Olympic gold medalist and holds the two-mile world record. After that race in June of 2023, Ingebretsen was asked about his advice for other athletes who hoped to run like him. One of the biggest mistakes a lot of people do is that they uh, go too hard in training. And that's most, uh, basically because of their, their mentality, what they uh, are struggling with. They don't believe in themselves. That's why they need to put it down in training, because they need to build up that confidence. And that's, I think that's the wrong mindset. I've been competing my whole life. And um, obviously I'm, I'm competing in training, but... I'm never running faster in training than I do in competition because I want the competition to be the number that's Keep the powder dry. Behind, behind my name. How is purposely not going too hard in training going to help you race better? Well, first of all, going faster than race pace is not specific to the race you're training for. And second, running too fast, even a little bit, contributes to fatigue that can compromise training for days, weeks, and even all the way to race day. But it's not just speed sessions that can drag you down. Longer long runs, hilly runs, and heat and humidity can all be fatigue-producing factors. All you want to do when you get home from your run is snuggle up on the couch for the rest of the day. And by the time you lace up in the morning, the thought of doing it all over again can be daunting. Does this mean that you overdid it? I mean, even Jakob Ingebrigtsen must feel fatigue at times too, right? Just how much fatigue should you feel in training and when have you crossed the line? Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. On today's episode, I'm going to get into the science of fatigue. You'll learn why a certain amount of fatigue is actually important as a runner, how to use fatigue to your advantage, and how to know how much is too much fatigue. If you need more help getting your fittest, you can order my book, The Planted Runner, Running Your Best with Plant-Based Nutrition, wherever you get books, or request a copy from your local library. Or you can enter to win a copy for free just by writing an Apple podcast review. I choose a new winner every month. Don't forget to stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode for another Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Unless you only do a couple of short, easy runs a week, you're gonna feel fatigue at some point as an athlete. Our bodies simply do not immediately repair from the beneficial damage that we do to them in our workouts. When we exercise, our muscle fibers sustain tiny micro tears that are repaired and rebuilt during the recovery process. Those repaired muscles end up being faster and stronger than they were before, but that process can take days or even weeks depending on what you did to them. In an attempt to keep you on the couch to repair and avoid more damage, the brain will send pain signals to your muscles and will create a mental sensation of exhaustion or fatigue. Your brain's main job is to keep you alive, and if that means slowing you down mentally and physically, it will do it. 
But if we wait the days or weeks necessary to be 100% recovered from a single run, well, we wouldn't get very far in our training. One way to think about it is that fatigue is kind of like running with a weighted backpack. Each run you do puts another weight in your pack. Each recovery day takes some of the weight out, but it doesn't completely empty it. As we train, we get more used to running with a weighted pack, so much so that we might not even notice it's there after a little while. But it's always there. The goal is to get so accustomed to the weighted training that when we finally set the bag down on race day, running feels as light and as easy as possible. During training, we need to find that balance between recovery and fatigue so that our load doesn't ever get so heavy that we can't lift it. The first step is to alternate your hard days and easier days. This is the main reason behind the phrase, hard days hard, easy days easy. The goal is to concentrate your most fatigue-producing efforts together so you are not in a constant state of muscle breakdown and fatigue. Your slow, easy mileage is the best way to build aerobic endurance, which is why endurance runners should spend about 80% of their runs at a conversational pace. We even call some of this easy running a recovery run when it's scheduled the day after a speed workout or a long run. Are you truly getting recovered from the track on Tuesday by running easy on Wednesday? No, you are not getting 100% recovered, but you do not need to be 100% to run well by Thursday or Friday. In a smart training plan, you should not be trying to run 100% of your potential on any given run. That's something we want to save for race day, not for an average training run. This is one of the biggest reasons not to go faster than intended in your workouts. If your run is supposed to be at, let's say, your 5K race pace and you decide you want to go faster just because you can, not only are you completely changing the energy system that that workout is trying to target, but you are building more fatigue that you will carry into your next few runs. Your backpack is going to feel extra heavy and even an easy run is going to be a struggle to run with good form. Not only is this run going to feel terrible, but you are likely to reinforce bad running habits if you are too sore and tired to run well. On the other hand, if you are actually feeling light and fresh as the daisy after a big speed workout, you might be ready to bump up your training intensity or volume if you're trying to reach your potential. A lack of fatigue isn't a perfect sign of this, as some people are more fatigue resistant than others, but it can be a clue. I'd like to go over some ways you can actually use fatigue strategically in your training. Because just like hiking with a weighted backpack will make you a stronger hiker when you go without it, Carrying some fatigue into certain workouts can help you maximize some of your runs. Before I explore fatigue a little more, I know that this might start to sound a little overwhelming. I've got to. You can skip all the planning for yourself and get a custom-made training plan made by me for your next race. Just head to theplantedrunner.com slash plans. I'll create a one-of-a-kind plan just for you that gives you the right amount of work, rest, and fatigue to train you properly for your next race. And if you have questions and want support and feedback from me and a team of other runners just like you, join my PR team today at theplantedrunner.com slash group.
I'll get right back to how you can use intentional fatigue to your advantage right after this. Before I get back to the conversation, I want to talk about a massive problem that I see with runners everywhere, and especially plant-based runners. You know that I'm the first to tell you that you can absolutely get everything you need from a plant-based diet as an endurance runner, but most runners are struggling. With our busy lives and time-consuming training schedules, making sure that you get enough to fuel your training and making sure that it's actually optimal for your health and performance is a real challenge. So that's why I tell all my athletes to make nutrition simpler and get Neurofi Plus by Prevenex. In less than a minute, you can mix their superior quality protein shake up with just water in a shaker bottle. And it actually tastes delicious. That is not the case with other plant-based powders I've tried. You can enjoy Neurofi right after a workout, knowing you are getting everything you need for muscle repair with none of the junk that you're gonna get in one of the lower quality powders. Another cool way to use it is to mix up a couple of scoops with water or warm plant-based milk right before bed. Studies have shown that taking 20 to 30 grams of protein right before bed is the optimal time for protein synthesis and muscle repair that we all need. Look, this is the only product that I'm working with, and that's for a very good reason. I believe in Prevenex quality, their mission, and I use Neurofi Plus myself. And I'm not the only one. Lindsay Hine of All Have Another, Jason Fitzgerald of Strength Running, Whitney Hines of The Mother Runners, Elite Athlete, Emily Enfeld, and so many others in the running world are passionate about Prevenex too. If you're ready to simplify your nutrition and optimize your fueling, you can try Neurofi for 15% off the regular price with my code PR15. That's PR15 at Prevenex.com. Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you. Listen. 
Just at the time we are trying to recover and relieve ourselves from the fatigue of training. But sometimes you can actually harness that fatigue to your advantage. Let's start with the marathon. One thing that separates the marathon from shorter distances is that you don't want to run the full 26.2 miles or 42 kilometers in training. Research has shown that once your training run goes longer than about three hours, the aerobic benefits start to go down while recovery times and injury risk goes way up. Since the marathon is about 99% aerobic, we want to maximize all the aerobic training we can while minimizing the risks and shortening the recovery time in between runs. So unless you can comfortably jog a marathon in less than three hours, you are going to want to run less than 26 miles in a single run in training. And in order to make those under distance long runs more like the experience we will feel on race day without actually running all the miles at once, we can get creative by using our backpack of accumulated fatigue. Great way to do this is by running a shorter steady or marathon paced run the day before the long run. Now, earlier in the episode, I told you to alternate your hard days with easy days, but this is when you want to do the opposite for a specific purpose. Instead of thinking of this steady before the long run as two separate runs, think of them as one run broken up by a night of rest. So perhaps your steady run is six or eight miles on a Saturday. It's not an easy run other than the warm up and cool down miles, but it's not super challenging either. Then on Sunday, you'll be effectively beginning your long run at mile six or eight instead of mile zero, since you're still carrying Saturday's miles in your legs. If your long run is 18 miles on Sunday, you are effectively running 22 or 24 miles, but with far less risk or recovery time. But it's not just in marathon training that you can use this technique. In 5K training, you can combine hill sprints in the same week as a track session, or you might try a tempo run followed by some quick 400-meter repeats for a half-marathoner. By starting a workout a little fatigued, you can automatically intensify the workout, allowing you to run less and slower with the same effect. Of course, anytime you intensify a workout, you need to be smart about it. You can't just keep adding weights to your backpack and expect to get stronger and stronger. Specific accumulated fatigue workouts are very challenging and should only be done about every other week during the race-specific portion of your training schedule. This ensures that you don't overdo it and you find yourself on the wrong side of fatigue. Chronic fatigue is one of the first signs of overtraining syndrome, which can be a tough hole to climb out of. Overtraining is not always about simply training too much, and it includes everything else you've got going on in your life that contributes to your overall stress. If you are not quite feeling recovered over a few days of rest, that should start to get your attention, and you might consider keeping things easy for a while before adding more stress from speed or long runs. But if you're experiencing fatigue after taking two weeks of relative rest, it's time to investigate further. There is no blood test for overtraining. Some signs and symptoms of overtraining are a suppressed immune system, which might lead to more frequent colds or illnesses. You might also feel psychological effects like low-level depression, chronic down moods, or changes in your sleep. Your performance in training and races will likely begin to suffer as you feel mentally and physically exhausted. 
This is not the kind of fatigue that is a normal, healthy part of training. This is when you'll need to take action. You might still be able to run some when you're suffering from overtraining, but drop your volume in half and stop your speed work and racing. For some runners, you might need to stop running completely for a few weeks. Walking is a great way to stay lightly active as you recover. If you are feeling overly fatigued, but you don't quite fit the description of overtraining, there might be another issue going on. The two biggest issues are not eating enough and not sleeping enough. Whether this is intentional or not, eating and sleeping are massively important to how you perform and how you feel, so make sure to prioritize both just as much as you're running. Another very common culprit of fatigue in runners is due to low iron levels. Slight fatigue and shortness of breath happen to everyone after a hard workout, so low iron levels can be missed without a blood test. I recommend that all runners get a simple blood test to check their iron levels because you don't want to supplement with iron if you're not deficient. Supplementing with iron can be toxic for some people, so make sure you need it before you take it. Ask your doctor to test for hemoglobin, hematocrit, iron, total iron binding capacity, and ferritin. If you can't remember all of that, explain to your doctor that you're a runner and you want a full anemia panel with ferritin because it's not always included in a standard blood panel. If you're anemic, your hemoglobin and hematocrit are low, which are measures of your red blood cell count. If you have an iron deficiency, your ferritin, which is a measure of your stored iron, is low, and your total iron binding capacity is high, indicating there's extra room to bind more iron. For most runners in training, you'll want to make sure that your ferritin number is over 30 nanograms per milliliter for women and over 40 nanograms per milliliter for men. Even higher is usually better. If you test low in iron, your doctor will recommend supplementation and getting more iron in your diet. Plant-based runners can get their iron from dark leafy greens, legumes, and molasses. There are many other medical reasons for excessive fatigue, such as illness or other deficiencies in your diet, so please check with your doctor if you're not feeling better in a couple weeks. And finally, I'd like to talk about the kind of fatigue that you feel when you're actually running. We've talked about chronic fatigue from your overall training, but now let's get into why you're getting tired during an individual run. In long runs and races, you'll eventually start to fatigue if you go long enough. If you're running longer than 90 minutes and you haven't fueled, your brain will start to slow your legs down. This is the most common reason for the marathon bonk. Your glycogen stores are getting depleted and your brain sends out the mental and physical fatigue signals. This can be largely prevented or at least pushed back by properly fueling during the run. The next reason you will feel fatigued is if your legs aren't up to the task that you're trying to do. Try running two or three times as long as you've ever run before on untrained legs and guess what? You'll feel tired, both mentally and physically. And it's not just running longer that will trigger the fatigue signals. If you're attempting a speed workout that is beyond what you've trained for, your brain immediately imagines that you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. Stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol shoot through your system, and it won't take long for you to be bent over with your hands on your knees, completely exhausted. Heat, hills, cold, and dehydration all exacerbate these effects, making you feel even worse, even faster.
The good news is that your body has an incredible ability to adapt to fatigue-producing stimuli. With gradual, patient, and smart training, you can teach your body and your brain to run faster and longer while increasing your fatigue resistance. And then you can use your fatigue in clever ways to maximize your workouts, making them more effective and easier to recover from. Then on race day, you'll finally set down that heavy pack of fatigue so you can be faster than ever. But don't get too comfortable. Your fatigue will be waiting for you at the finish line. And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is mental fitness warm-ups. Hopefully you take a few minutes before every run and certainly before every race to warm up. But do you mentally warm up as well? Instead of going through the motions physically with your drills and dynamic stretches, take this opportunity to mentally prepare for the run as well. Tell yourself what you will do on this run. Perhaps it's staying strong or not fighting the hills or making it to the end of the block without stopping. Extra points if you use your first name and say your intentions out loud. Taking a few moments to be your own coach, be your own cheerleader can make a big difference in how your run goes. Your inner athlete is listening. Thank you for listening to or watching The Planted Runner, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Don't forget that you can win a copy of my book for leaving an Apple Podcast review, so be sure to write yours right after your run today. Reviews are the number one way to boost this show's reach, and it's a great way to tell me what you'd like to hear next, because I read every single one. Have a great run today. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see, they've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionu. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.